All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 23 of the Last One Fast One podcast. We have a guest. Um, he's from Iowa, Jackson Allman. We're excited to have him. He's a former Iowa state champion. Um, swam Division One for the University of Iowa. Iowa was a point scorer at Big Tens. And let's just say if you were um, a swimmer growing up in Iowa or Nebraska, if you heard the name Jackson Allman, you knew his name, no doubt. So thanks for joining us, Jackson. Yeah, thank you for having me, Paul and Luke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's just jump into the early years of your swimming. So, like, how'd you get into it? Where'd you get started? And how, how'd you get so good? <laughs> uh, backtrack a little bit. I first started swimming uh, for Council Swim Club under Bruce Schomburg uh, when I was eight years old, just because I wanted to be just like my older brother. He swam for a couple of years. Uh, he enjoyed kind of the camaraderie, the community. Um, especially around the town, around Midwest swimming. So that's just something that I wanted to be a part of. Uh, I never really imagined my swimming career taking off that much, uh, especially when I started. It was just kind of something to uh, let off my competitive edge while also socialize with my friends. Um, then kind of after a year or two, swimming with uh, CBSC and Bruce, I uh, kind of figured, oh, this is something that, you know, I could potentially focus on in the future. At the time, I was doing multiple sports. I was uh, swimming, wrestling, playing soccer. Uh, but swimming was definitely the sport that caught my heart. And to this day, I'm still very, very involved in the swimming community. Gotcha. Sure. So you swam for Council Bluffs Swim Club, you said? Yep. Council Bluffs Swim Club. It is uh, obviously Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, but we represent or we swim in the Midwestern LSC. So uh, the kind of it's a little complicated. There's an Iowa LSC and a Midwestern LSC. Uh, the Iowa LSC, a local swim community, uh, primarily consists of teams, clubs in the state of Iowa. But for Midwestern, it's all of Nebraska and then the Western cities of Iowa. So Council Bluffs and Sioux City. So I grew up swimming against uh, all of the major teams in Omaha. Lincoln, uh, swim against Grand Island. I don't know how many times, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the definitely more used to uh, swimming environment or atmosphere in the Nebraska side of things growing up. Right. For so, sure. did you ever think about like um, swimming club for like goal, or was it always like you just swam for Council Bluffs and this is the way it was, so you just stuck with it? Like, what was the decision versus like stay in your hometown or maybe go to like across the river with the you know, a real established, like well-known mm -hmm. team. Yeah, no, I, that, that's a good question. I'm not going to lie that that thought definitely crept in my mind once or twice. Uh, but just, I established relationship rapport with uh, not just the other swimmers at CBSC, but with the head coach, Bruce Schomburg um, in kind of, uh, high intensity, high volume all the time. That's just something that's worked out for me since a young age. And that's just something that I never really wanted to mess up switching or yeah. uh, transferring to another club. For sure. And is council buffs like a big swim club? Is it, um, I kind of describe that to someone that may not know. Uh, CBSC, uh, I would say when I was swimming, I at the max or peak point in the season, mid-December, January, we had maximum 60 swimmers. So it was a really mm -hmm. small club. Um, everyone practiced almost at the, the same time slot, same pool time, just eight lanes, uh, four different groups. Uh, it was definitely a lot uh, of a, a little bit more of a low-key training environment than per se U University of Iowa or uh, LMST, the team that I'm coaching right now. Uh, but you know, it was, it was definitely an awesome swimming environment. If, if you're committed to swim, uh, Bruce Schomburg's practices, um, if you're committed to his training regimen, then you're going to get something out of it and you're going to, you're definitely going to improve year to year. Right. That sounds kind of similar to like, kind of like, um, swimming for Quicksilver and Grand Island, like small team, but we've had some some big names come out of it. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, if you're all in, like you could do it, but then there's also like people that are just, um, just there just for fun too. So. Yeah, right, exactly. You, that. Oh, go, go, go ahead, Luke. I was going to oh, ask if you ever you, swim with Cohen Rankin. I swam against Cohen Rankin. Uh, he's, he's quite a bit younger okay. than I am. So 
I, I, I swim a lot with his uh, older brother, Billy, uh, William Rankin, who also swims with him at uh, Army West Point right now. So we were, I would, I want to say rivals, but we were, we were definitely in a lot of races together, uh, swam against him senior year of state in the 100 free, uh, kind of just the Sioux City Council's rivalry, I would say that's uh, probably probably the biggest competitor that we had in terms of uh, Western Iowa swimming was that Council Bluffs, maybe our five good athletes versus Sioux City's five good athletes, you know? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, no, go, go ahead, Luke. You got it, Luke. Uh, so I was just going to talk to you about, like, how did your commitment process go? So you were really popping off going into high school, so you had to get some big names. So, like, what kind of schools were you talking to? Uh, honestly, my my recruitment probably wasn't as large as you, you might expect. Uh, there are a decent amount of mid-major schools that are reaching out, um, you know, kind of as someone who grew up watching college sports, whether it's college football, college basketball, the goal was always to go to a power five school, power five university. Uh, I, besides university of Iowa, the first day, uh, my, or July 1st and my junior going into my junior year, I didn't get any other, uh, power five interest at all. Um, the, the, the main schools that I was kind of narrowing it down to going into, uh, my junior year, at least, uh, were University of Iowa, uh, Drury, and then TCU. Those were the big three. And I kind of just kept an open mind um, of whether or not another team, bigger school, would contact me throughout the year. My my dream school, especially competing down at sectionals all the time, was Mizzou. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was just, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of false hope, but letting on to some hope that they would eventually contact me and I'd get a, at least a roster spot there. But uh, those were the three schools that were there thick and thin uh, during my whole entire recruiting process, dating back to freshman, sophomore year. I gotcha. gotcha. So did you take any official visits to any of them? I, I took an official visit to Iowa and I went down to Drury and those were the only two that I needed uh, to make my decision. I had other schools that I lined up official visits for, but those were, I knew those were the two that were kind of set apart at the time. Uh, but once I took my recruiting visit or my official visit to Iowa, uh, what was it? I, Labor Day weekend, my senior year. Uh, what, you know, just the atmosphere of Iowa city, especially, um, you know, that was the, that was the first football game where they introduced the wave. Cool. Uh, I, I would played against Wyoming when Josh Allen was still quarterback. So it was just an, an exciting time. And I, I just knew from that point, you know, I was going to call Iowa city home. I, I think you. the Hawks smoked up too. It was 24 three. I think <laughs> oh, it, 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 it was an ugly game. There was, there was one play in the middle of the game when I, I don't know, this was on, I guess not like a highlight reel, but it was on ESPN, Bleacher mm-hmm. Report, like, every social media platform that like the Wyoming punter literally dropped the football and just completely missed the kick. Like it just ended up as, as a fumble. And I, I just remember from that day, like I, is, is this the game that I decided to go on a recruiting trip to? Cause I was, <laughs> it was either that or Penn state. <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> there we go. That's uh, funny. Yeah. So going forward, like committing to Iowa, uh, what did you, what major did you choose at first? Uh, I, I originally uh, was a statistics major. Okay. Um, not, not that I necessarily hated it or dreaded the classes, the courses. Uh, I, I was always a STEM kid growing up in high school. That was always kind of right up my alley. But uh, after a while, uh, after these boring, monotonous, mundane classes, I'm like, is this something that I want to do the rest of my life? Do I actually want to become an actuary? And kind of halfway through my sophomore year, I transitioned to sport and recreation management at Iowa. So um, course load, I want to say, was nearly as stressful. Um, Kind of with that major, it's as you can get it as much as you want to get out of it. And that was kind of the the place to be for me. Uh, Definitely more of a people person need to get my dose of interacting with others on a day-to-day basis. So 
uh, switched to SRM, uh, ended up finishing my undergrad with that major and just finished my master's studies within the same manage or same major sport and recreation management. Awesome. That's um, interesting. So when I went to Iowa, my first year, that was my major. So I took, oh, like, <laughs> I took like sales and sport, um, like selling in the sport industry, I think, I think, and then I switched or whatever. So, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if uh, sales and sport with Packy Moran is the, the most in, enticing course <laughs> <laughs> within the SRM department, but that damn uh, script, that damn script, man, that took me forever. So you had to remember a 12 minute script verbatim, word for word. And it was just, it, it was absolute hell. That's yeah, all I can say. For sure. So what else, what else did you like about Iowa city? And then we'll uh, dive into the swimming. But, but besides, besides the swimming, um, I, I, I kind of just liked how, uh, I, Iowa city kind of gets a bad rap about this a little bit, how big the campus is. Mm-hmm. But like honestly, I, I I don't see all the fuss. Like I think it's a pretty night or tight knit campus. It's it's very walkable. Um, campus is absolutely beautiful. Obviously, you've probably been to the old Capitol or the Pentecrest. Um, ju- just the environment, uh, friendly people that you pass by on the street. If you're wearing a Tiger Hawk uh, on your hoodie shirt. Like you're, you're, you're just automatically going to get a go Hawks. No matter what. <laughs> so yeah. I, I would, I'd say the people definitely. For sure. So what's it like, um, being that first year on campus, you go from, you know, council bluff swimming kind of in a smaller club to the university of Iowa, you know, big time power five, big 10 school. So swimming for the Hawks, just kind of give us like the inside of what it was like to like be a university of Iowa swimmer. Yeah, it was a little bit of a culture shock, uh, to say the least. Um, not to discredit anyone that swam at CBSE or Council Swim Club, we produced a lot of great talent, a lot of Division One swimmers. Uh, but for a long time, uh, two or three years, I was essentially just training by myself. Uh, the only thing that I was kind of chasing was like were my own times and practice. Uh, now, fast forward to freshman year. Uh, arriving at the University of Iowa, I mean, you're, you're now joining a prestigious group where everyone has the same backstory. Everyone was, you know, the the crap on their own club. Everyone was above and beyond everyone else, and it, it was kind of hard or frustrating to realize that first because first day of practice, um, especially with the ethic that I thought I had, uh, I expected to be ahead of everyone going to practice but the truth is once you get to a certain level division one level everyone has that dedication um and it, it, it's 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 definitely a very tr- tough transition yeah do you have like maybe like a favorite memory from your first year favorite memory uh, i'd say specifically from swimming or at least swim meets uh hawk invite or freshman year, that was the only time where we hosted an invite on my time on the team. Um, 800 free relay. Uh, I got the honor of uh, swimming on the A relay. Uh, at the time, we didn't necessarily come down and taper too much. Um, we, we wrestled a little bit, but we didn't shave. Wasn't expecting much. And at, all of a sudden, I was just going best times, improving times that uh, I was going at the end of high school fully tapered, fully rested. Uh, but then I was able to swim on the 800 free relay and we swam uh, right next to Minnesota. Um, well, actually swam next to my bud, Cameron Kelly, uh, who was one of my assistant coaches at LMST right now. He, he was the second swimmer for Minnesota. Uh, I was the second swimmer for Iowa. Uh, also swam against Purdue, uh, Grand Canyon and this, six and a half minute race came down to two tenths of a second for all four of these teams. It was by far the most exciting moment in my freshman, uh, my freshman year. Dang. That's awesome. Who, who ended up winning? Oh, uh, of course the Hawks. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, wasn't that a school record as well? Or was that later in the season? Uh, that, that was later at the big 10 championships. That was also in Iowa city. Uh, so after kind of that, 
stellar performance. They gave me the nod to also be on the A relay for that. Um, that that time around, I was third on the relay. Uh, ended up being a school record, beat the previous school record by, I think, two or three seconds. Uh, we finished with six twenty three. Uh, almost didn't get the record though, because I had a, a little bit of an ambitious reaction time uh, for an 800 free relay. Uh, my my reaction time was 0. 0.05. Oh wow! <laughs> so I was uh, cut, cutting it close <laughs> a little bit, to say the know. least. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's insane. So yeah, kind of take us through like what were Big Tens like your freshman year. It, it it was a environment or a meet that you know nothing previously could have prepared for. Uh, like I've I've gone to big meets like junior nationals, sectionals, and other college dual meets invites, uh, but Big Tens they they don't even compare. Uh, they like it obviously it's intense. Uh, all your whole entire season, whole entire swim career coming down to a couple swims. Uh, but you know, there, there, there's, there's swimmers that been going through the college system, whether that's at Indiana, uh, Michigan, Ohio state, that's, that's been fully in the process of like, you know, their training regimen for three, four years. And like, this is their peak meet. So obviously it's a little bit intimidating to go against, uh, you know, these already established swimmers. Uh, I, I remember stepping up on the blocks or at least behind the blocks uh, before my 200 free in prelims. Uh, I, I want to say that I'm a short dude at all. Uh, six, two, six, six, three, when I decided to stand up straight, <laughs> but uh, I was like buck 60, uh, not very much muscle, muscle mass whatsoever. And uh, uh, one guy on my right, six, five, probably two, two Oh five guy to my left, six, seven, again, above 200 pounds. <laughs> Both of them had the Olympic rings tattooed on oh, their dang. torso. So it was like, yeah, it was, it, it was definitely nothing that I've ever experienced before. Yeah. That's awesome. That's wild. Um, that so, so as your swim career continued at, um, I the next couple of years, what what would you say like a day in, a day in your life was like like from maybe if you can remember from when you woke up <laughs> to when you went to bed like what would it be like? Ah, uh, so obviously we we have very very early morning practices not as early as I'd have for a club or for high school, uh, but we had to report to the pool or whether it's the lifting day by or lifting day by six a.m. Uh, so that means 5.15, wake up call, uh, make the, I don't know, 0.7 mile trek from Catlett to the CRWC, the Campus Recreation and Wellness Center. Um, depending on the day, would either do a two-hour swim or do an hour and a half lift. Uh, once we're done with that, I'd walk back to Catlett, uh, eat probably a million French toast sticks, whether that, that, that was definitely my go-to in the dining hall. Uh, go to class for a couple hours, go back to the dining hall, eat lunch, uh, take a quick little half hour power nap, uh, go back to the CRWC of the pool at 2 p.m. Uh, and then do a two hour practice, study for a few hours, and then just relax and go to bed, do it all over again the next day. Uh, there really wasn't any leeway for uh, a lot of socializing or, you know, anything besides school or or academics or swimming uh, outside that standard Monday to Friday work or yeah, school week. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was definitely a hectic schedule. I know that NCAA, they, or they prohibit anything over 20 hours a week uh, in terms of uh, what they call countable athletic related hours. Uh but to, to be a committed swimmer, to swim at the highest uh, Division One level, the, there obviously needs to be a little bit more than a 20-hour commitment a week. So um, there's always, um, you know, stretching out, uh, focusing on recovery. Like it's uh, balancing school 
and swimming at the same time is a, a very difficult balance. Yeah, nonstop, it sounds like. Yeah. So how would yeah, you yeah. sum up your – um? so kind of before we kind of get into like your senior year, um, which we're – I'm interested to hear about, um, what, what would you say like there's middle there's middle years? Just kind of sum those up for us real quick. We're like – like how would it go swimming career for you? Yeah. Uh, you know, that was probably the, the roughest part of my swim career. Um, I obviously it was a big, uh, culture shock my freshman year in college. Uh, but after kind of the freshman high, um, competing for a new school, for a new team, once I've kind of settled down, assimilated to the college team, uh, I, I really struggled to kind of find my identity outside the pool. And, uh, during that sophomore year, uh, 2019, 2020, uh, I, I just, I, I struggled mentally a lot. I, I, like my happiness was solely based on my performance and, uh, you know, that it, it would sound like I was locked in, um, determined and training, which I was, but I, I think that also had a very negative detriment to my overall, overall well-being, which definitely negatively influenced my swimming. Uh, I, I definitely took a couple steps back, um, those couple years um it, it was it was really really hard to kind of get going at times uh i would say big tens uh, at indiana uh, a couple months before i was finally kind of catching my groove catching my routine like i was uh finally finding my identity outside of swimming uh but then obviously covid hit so that as soon as as soon as I was kind of ready to get back into full uh, swing of things for training, uh, I was out of the pool for half a year. Yeah, yeah. So, so going into that senior year, so you had Big Tens your junior year, and then COVID, and then um, they cut the they cut the team right. Your beginning of your senior year. Mm-hmm. So kind of talk about um, like what that was like and kind of like how it all went down, I guess. Uh, so I get to sort of backtrack before the day that our team was ultimately eliminated. Uh, it, it, it was funny because we had a, we, we were having weekly Zoom calls throughout the summer uh, just to kind of check in, even though a lot of us were out of the pool, not trained at the time, just like kind of a, as a mental health check to see how we're doing, uh, what we can kind of do to stay mentally focused, mentally sharp. And for one of the Zoom calls, uh, Gary Barta joined the meeting, the athletic director at the University of Iowa. And just towards the, it, it was like a very like procedural meeting, like nothing too extreme but just at the end of the meeting as a little gag uh, our head coach mark long he mentioned something to the effect of oh like we're i I think that was around the time that dartmouth cut their men's swim team and mark was saying oh like the university of iowa like they would never cut their swim team right and then part of us like kind of agreed with him like yeah like we, we would never do that now fast forward like four or five weeks later uh i remember the morning we all I got a group text or we all got a group text, which included not just the men's and women's swim and dive team, but also include men's tennis team, men's gymnastics team. Uh, everyone was kind of suspicious, especially since it was our off season, like no hours were required uh, to train whatsoever. Like, what could this be about? Why are we reporting to Carver, the basketball arena? And I kind of knew right then and there, especially after my studies in the sport management department that like, it's probably not a good thing. It was just those four, four specific teams. Like I, I had a gut feeling that I didn't know if the team was going to be cut, uh, but I knew some, something was up. So we all reported to the gymnasium around 9.30 a.m. Uh, all the coaches of all the teams that were going to be cut, they were all standing on the head. Uh, a lot of the athletes didn't really know what was going on. They're like oh hey like what's up like haven't seen you in a while and they all just all just have their sad somber looks on their faces like they they were told not even a half hour before us that their team mm. was, team was getting cut so what one once we saw 
how visibly upset the coaches were. Uh, we, we all knew what was going to eventually happen was that our team was going to be eliminated, but we went into the practice gym. Uh, they probably had 150 plus chairs laid out. This, since this is COVID, they were all six feet apart. So there wasn't really too, too much interaction we could have during that uh, sad time within the athletic department. Uh, but Gary, Gary Barta, again, AD of Iowa walks in. Uh, he says, I got some good news and I have some bad news. And he's like, I'll go with the bad news first. Your team, all of your teams will be discontinued. The good news is you guys can swim for the rest of the academic year. And he literally after what 90 seconds, he just exited the gym, uh, wasn't even man enough to field the questions. So uh, that just kind of left our team distraught. Uh, I remember a lot of my teammates just were in the gym for 60 minutes, not saying a word to each other, just in their own thoughts. And that, that was probably, I, I don't want to overhype it saying it was like the worst day of my life, but I, it, it was definitely hard to see all of my teammates that upset, especially those who may have been younger than me, still had years left in their swimming career on definitely threw off the trajectory of their swim career forever. Yeah. So Barta, like he didn't stick around to ask, um, answer questions or anything. No, no. I, I, I think there are maybe two questions by fellow student athletes that were given, I think just like in regards to whether or not they're able to like hold, keep their scholarship and then like kind of when they can resume training. Uh, but I know a lot of other student athletes had questions and, um, he didn't explicitly say this, but it appeared that he had better things to do, which mm-hmm. um, I highly disagree. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of just left us high and dry in the moment. And uh, he never really even fielded any questions that we had uh, the following months afterwards and still hasn't answered a lot of questions about as to why um, the team was cut besides financial reasons, which, uh, you know, I can, I, I can get into that, but uh, j- just to be blunt, that de- definitely not ex- explicitly financial reasons is the only reason why our team was cut. Right. Um, I guess like, um, what would be the other reasons? If or if you don't want to share, that's cool. Um, I, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of speculation. Uh, you know, I. I, I've heard some things. I don't. I don't want to have like any hearsay or that. Yeah, but yeah. Ju- just in terms of um, the tiered sports that were on campus, like we were, we we're definitely at the bottom of the totem pole gotcha. um, for sure. And like, uh, it, it makes sense too. A lot of other sports that we have on campus, like they might get more funding. Um, they might have a little bit more success than we do at the national level. But again, there are other sports that have less uh, national success. And there's definitely other sports that have less of a history than the University of Iowa. We invented the butterfly stroke for goodness sake. One one of the four disciplines um, that's completed at the Olympic level. So um, I, 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 I can't exactly say or tell you guys why it was cut, yeah, but yeah, it was sure. is definitely more than what was um, told to the media, um, to the public on the surface. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's. Um, I was listening to a podcast. Um, it's like a football podcast, but they had brought a swimmer on to talk about like what happened or whatever. And I, I thought the first time I heard it, I thought it was absolutely mind blowing that the athletic director would walk in there, say, um, "All right, you guys cut," and then he just ditches like you guys invested your whole lives and you know every breathing second of swimming for the university of iowa you know working hard to represent that university and then he he can't stick around for 20 seconds to answer questions i yeah no it it, it, it's mind-boggling just to to say the least and especially since uh what was it 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 was for some of the freshmen that were on the team or on the swim team uh, gymnastics team, tennis team, it it might may have been their second or third day on campus in Iowa City. Like no ever. way, dang! And just for like a 
Um, it's a it's a big decision, not not just for anyone that competes in a collegiate sport, just for anyone that attends a university that's away from home, uh, costs a lot of money in tuition. Like uh, we we, it feels like the the administration in Iowa didn't necessarily respect um, that commitment that the student athletes had to the athletic department. That that wasn't showed vice versa. Yeah, for sure. So as the year kind of continues, um, then like I saw like in September, like they announced that they were going to raise the football coaches, give all the football coaches raises, and it totaled to be 575000 which I guess I'm not sure exactly like where all the money comes from, but it's still crazy that another team would get 500000 while all these other teams were just told to basically kick rocks. Yeah, so like, I, I- yeah, I mean, I, I, I can kind of attest that a little bit, um, specifically with the Iowa football coaches, like it was within their contract. Okay. Uh, well, well before teams were cut that they were going to get receive these bonuses um, based on the year 2020. Uh, but it, it was also really bad timing that they, or when they cut the program, because uh, obviously college athletics, especially college football, uh, and their TV rights deal, TV broadcasting deal brings in a lot of money yeah. uh, to the athletic department. And that was the same week when uh, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren decided uh, they weren't going to play football that year, even though a lot of other Power Five conferences were playing and playing. So uh, I, I think it was uh, a very reactionary decision uh, by the athletic department. Just uh, in the short term, they saw that they were going to lose uh tens of millions of dollars uh not not having college football that year even though they ended up playing college football and getting probably about two-thirds of um you know the tv rights deal with the espn fox uh so again very very reactionary uh but that's that's not necessarily the the football coaches faults um a lot of them took furloughs a lot of them took pay cuts um whether or not they were publicly stated, uh, you know, it, it wasn't. A lot of them did that uh, in private behind closed doors, but also a lot of them didn't take any pay cuts. Not like they were right. expected to, but, you know, in an unprecedented unprecedented time like that, like, I don't know, that, that as, as a swim coach or as someone who was wanting to be a college uh, athletics administrator that that would some that would be something I'd do in a heartbeat would yeah. take a pay cut for sure. Yeah, so then, what's that like rest of the year like? So you know, the University of Iowa men's team at least. Um, I don't know if you guys thought it had a chance to get reinstated or or not, but the rest of the year, like you have this, do you have this idea that like this is going to be the last Iowa men's team, and like you're representing like the last Iowa men's swim team, and maybe the long-term future or history? I know for the men's team, uh, there was never really this big glimpse of hope that Mm. the team was going to be reinstated. Uh, Women's team was a different story, especially with um, Title IX issues at the time. But for the guys, uh, we kind of made it our point or we set out to make this um, the last and greatest year in uh, Iowa swimming's history. Yeah. Uh, so we we all kind of bought into that year uh, a lot of, and it was it was pretty weird because um at the beginning within the first couple months like this is something that's never really happened to another college team uh but it was just kind of this ragtag group of boys who are already committed to other division one teams like uh we had many swimmers go and swim at uh university of arizona uh university of cincinnati uh, other schools, uh, swimmers committed to, uh, we had Wisconsin, uh, you name it. It's just, it was just kind of weird that we're all on the university of Iowa swim team. Uh, but they were, they were, they're all thinking about their future already, uh, already made plans for where they're swimming next year, but we, we set out to make it the best year we could. Um, especially with all the COVID restrictions, um, limited time that we could practice, uh, we couldn't even have the whole entire team practice at one time. We had to split it up into different segments. Um, it, it it was a little bit of a nightmare. 
uh, to say the least. And uh, I was definitely a product of that. I had to, throughout the whole entire season from September to uh, Big Tens, that was ultimately in February, I quarantined four different times. So in September, uh, I had a 20-day quarantine. Uh, again, for the whole entire 20 days, I didn't touch water once. Uh, end of October, early November, I uh, had a quarantine for another 14 days. Again, did not touch the water once. Uh, going into Christmas break, uh, had a quarantine in order to go home, uh, quarantine for about a week. And all this time when I was quarantining, it was because I was a close contact with someone who had tested positive. Uh, we, we tested, uh, we did COVID tests every single week uh, just to make sure that we were okay, uh, adequate condition to swim. I never tested positive once. I go home, uh, literally all I, the only people that I interact with, my, my mom and my sister, and I, I, I remember this very vividly, uh, driving back home from Council Bluffs to Iowa City. On the way, I got a phone call from my sister, and she said that she had tested positive for COVID. And I was, supposed to, I was scheduled to have a COVID test uh, on campus the next morning. So that was like, uh, it, it was very devastating because I knew I only had four or five weeks left in my swimming career. And I, I fought so hard each and every time to come back from uh, quarantining. Uh, and we also had our team suspended for six months from March to August. So uh, it, it was definitely a mental battle. Uh, ended up quarantining in a COVID hotel, what they call it, a Marriott down in Iowa City all by myself for 10 days and interact with anyone. Again, this is four or five weeks out from Big Tens, my my final meet in my whole entire career. Uh, so, I, I I I could tell you, I I, I do not want to experience a season like that ever again. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, so, like, how do you go from missing a ton of practice to dropping best times at Big Tens? It, it's uh, crazy. I, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, hearing that from, from from you, like obviously that's something that uh, a lot of my fellow teammates, coaches, have kind of praised and asked like the same question: how How did you drop so much time? And I, I don't know if I can contribute it to one thing, um, but definitely in the lead up or the year, during that COVID year, uh, I definitely grew a lot as a person. One. I kind of mentioned this earlier, kind of found my identity outside the sport. So um, when I was able to make swim practice, I, I made the best out of it, um, was able to be positive, cheery, support my other teammates. And I think that definitely positively influenced my performance that year. Uh, but besides that, I, I think that out of the pool, uh, I really made a a lot bigger strides or had a lot bigger commitment, uh, strength and conditioning wise. Uh, again, going back to my freshman year, I was 160 pounds at big tens. Um, my, my final year at big tens, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily swimming in the same events. I wasn't doing 200 free 500 free. Um, like I was at the beginning of my career. Uh, once I kind of transitioned to more sprint butterfly sprint free, uh, I knew that I needed to put on those pounds. And I think uh, all that time off kind of helped me sustain that weight, which I wasn't able to do, uh, you know, previous two, three years like that. I, I have a pretty high metabolism. Um, I like to think that I have a pretty good work ethic, but at the same time, I think at the beginning of my college career, I was just burning the candle at both ends, to be honest. So all of that time off, uh, I was able to just focus on lifting, uh, building muscle. Uh, I, I want to say that's the only thing that contributed to my time drops at Big Tens, but I, I think that was definitely a big one. Uh, in addition to doing a little bit more of sprint-oriented practices, uh, I was primarily in middle distance and distance group uh, for my first few, year at, first few years at Iowa. 
Uh, but my last year, especially since I was out of the water so much time, they couldn't just throw me in with the other uh, D group swimmers. So I, I was uh, living life on the edge. Uh, finally, uh, you know, living, living my, my sprint days, you know, the dream for every single distance swimmer. Um, so I, I think just that attention to race pace, just doing 25s, 50s, hundreds on repeat, uh, with a little bit more rest, uh, definitely helped with the time drops. Yeah, I gotcha. So after this, like almost like cataclysmic last year of swimming, what, what does it look like going forward after college? Uh, so I, I, I did technically have another couple of years of eligibility. So uh, in the back of my mind, I was kind of exercising whether or not I transfer. Um, technically, I never entered the transfer portal. Uh, and I, I won't call anyone out for sure, but I, I was talking to other coaches. Um, I kind of feeling out how much scholarship money I'd get. Uh, but ultimately kind of the best decision for me at that time, uh, even if I had a little bit more left in my swimming career, I was, I was satisfied with where I was and I ultimately decided to stay, uh, in Iowa city with my longtime girlfriend, Alina, uh, didn't want to uproot my life just for one or more, two years of swimming. Uh, so I ended up staying at the university of Iowa, uh, finished my undergrad in sport and recreation management. Uh, and kind of always the plan, uh, you know, if the team didn't get cut, I was going to continue uh, my my studies and the sport management master's program. Uh, so I ended up finishing that out. Uh, and then just recently, uh, as of this fall, uh, I was offered and accepted the role of head coach of the Lynn Marshall team up in Marion, Iowa. Uh, so I've been at that. Uh, ever since August 2022, uh, been balancing that with grad school, uh, 40 hour work, 40 hour work week in grad school. Uh, I would say that's probably the biggest, the hardest balance um, that I've ever had to do with my life, even comparing to freshman, sophomore year where, um, you know, I was either swimming, studying, like this was by far the hardest time in my life to try and balance that. For sure. So is the um, head coach that like, like club swimming is at high school? Like what's that look like for you? No, you got, yeah. uh, so Linmar swim team, uh, it's operated and funded through the Linmar community school district, but it is a USA swimming club team. Gotcha. Uh, so we have uh, 210 swimmers registered for, uh, you know, this short course season, 2002 to their 2022 to 2023. Uh, we recently just sent four swimmers down to Winter Junior Nationals in Austin, Texas. Uh, even had a swimmer uh, place tenth or second in the the B final in the tuna backstrokes. So, cool. uh, I I, I want to say that's necessarily. Uh, I would say it, it definitely not my doing. It's uh, the system, the product that was already put in place with the employees. Uh, coaches that were here for me. Um, I just have the honor and the privilege of kind of carrying that torch, um, carrying that momentum forward to a new generation of swimmers. Yeah. I look forward to seeing four junior national swimmers is nothing to scoff at. So it's impressive. We're, yeah, we, I, we, we, we have a lot more swimmers that are thinking. I think are kind of on the brink of that uh, sectional to winter junior national level. Uh, so it's kind of my job to take advantage of those hundreds of a second, you know, get them over the hump. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely excited for not just uh, sh the championship season uh, and an out short course, but I'm, I'm excited to finally start long course training uh, in April, March, uh, definitely a lot left in store for my first year as uh LMSD head coach yeah I look forward to it Paulie you got anything left for him yeah so let's just hammer um do some fun questions here yes sir um what is your favorite meat snack so what are you eating out of meat <laughs> what am I eating out of meat uh on it 
so for the most part i really like i i i I could not eat a snack like in between races no matter like if i was hungry um or just running on an empty stomach like i want to say it's like superstition or anything like that but i i i was just like always way too nervous to eat uh but one thing once i got to university of iowa uh within like the refueling station or the food and snack that they give to the student athletes uh they had these packets of granola with chocolate chips and i would just go into the refueling station i would hoard all of them probably dozens at a time and i would just <laughs> eat all of that in between my events and that i don't yeah I, again i don't know if that necessarily helped my performance but it was it was carbs and it was it, it was my go-to I gotcha. Um, are you jamming behind the blocks? And if so, what are you jamming to? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I was always someone, especially towards like end of my high school career, beginning of college career. Uh, I always like to be in the zone, uh, probably listening to uh, J. Cole, uh, Tyler Crater. I don't know if I can say this now, but Kanye, <laughs> uh, the, the, like just kind of that 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 genre of music that was, that was my go-to so for sure bangers. gotcha your favorite pool favorite pool you've ever swam at uh, i i i didn't technically get to compete in the olympic trials but i i swam in the trials pool in 2016 and 2021 uh 2016 for a test event the Omaha cup and then 2021 um i was fortunate to get a deck pass and sneak into the pool uh, cool. for one of the days so that, that's awesome uh, by, by far that, that that's the best pool i've ever swam at uh competed at uh I, I i really liked ohio state's pool uh up in columbus i i don't think it's nearly as fancy as some of the newer natatoriums uh but it it's it's definitely capable um you know ha- has some good amenities and it, it kind of like that home atmosphere uh was able to swim fast there yeah, for sure. Gotcha. Uh, if you had to pick one event to swim, which event? One event to swim. Yeah. My, event. I, I want to say this was not necessarily my best event. My best event growing up was tuner free, but hundred fly. That was just always something that I enjoyed. Um, I whether or not I was good at it, <laughs> like uh, that was just something that I was always, always interested in swimming. Uh, always interested in trying to swim faster and. For sure. And if you could swim with anyone, um, they could, like past or present, so you could, you know, do laps with Abe Lincoln or, or Michael Phelps, it doesn't matter who, who you swimming with. Oh, wow. That I, I would say probably currently, uh, I mean, obviously he's probably a little bit younger than I am, but probably got, got to go with the, the chlorine daddy. Uh, David Popovich. Uh, okay, nice. <laughs> he, very cool. I, I I just feel like his his demeanor, very straightforward, very competitive. I think it'd be fun to train with him. That would be sweet for sure. For sure. Who's the coolest person you've swam with? Just in the same pool. It doesn't have to be in the same event. Uh, I I, I can tell you right now. Uh, probably craziest or. In my age group swimming career, uh, craziest heat that I was in, uh, it was 200 free my junior year of high school at sectionals. Uh, I was in between Jack Dolan, um, who's a pretty high caliber swimmer now at Arizona State, um, next to Josh Davis, no former, f- former Olympic gold medalist in the 200 free. Yeah. Uh, and then in the lane over from him was Patrick Callen, uh, who was also a, a Tokyo Olympian. So that that wow. was probably, uh, at least in my club swimming days, that was the highest caliber heat that I was in. Uh, growing up, I was also, I also swam with Michael Andrew a lot. Uh, I was right next to him uh, when he broke his first national age group record ever. Uh, you know, he, he has what? or he ended up having like a hundred plus national trip records. Uh, I was right next to him in the 10 under 50 free for his first, uh, 
down in good old Lawrence, Kansas for the all-star meet. Uh, he went a 24, six, uh, and I was worlds away with a 29, but it, it was, it, it was cool to be, you know, with, with, in the same, not the same realm, but within his presence, I would say. <laughs> That's cool. That's super cool. Yep. Um, and our last question is if you have one piece of advice to someone like words of wisdom, what would you give it? What would you give to them? Uh, I just say, don't, don't be too consumed about what, whether you're a swimmer, uh, athlete, whether you have another hobby, don't, don't be too consumed or don't have your soul identity being, you know, that hobby, that extracurricular, that sport, uh, you know, for, for the longest time, uh, when someone, uh, ran, ran into across the street, um, it, it was always, Hey, Jackson, you're, you're the swimmer, uh, you know, next Michael Phelps. And I'm sure you guys have probably got it. Most swimmers have, um, you know, that, that was just like my soul identity. And I definitely ran with it for a while. Uh, but then kind of towards the end of my swim career, I was like, what, honestly, what's next? I've been so hyper-focused on swimming my whole entire life. Uh, you know, what, yeah, you know, what, what, what is for me after this? Like what, what, what else am I interested in? So I, once I kind of discovered who I was, uh, it was, it was definitely a lot easier to see swimming as something more of like a fun activity on the side, which definitely helps my performance. Uh, I'd say that realization or self-actualization came later on my career. Uh, but that, that definitely doesn't mean that that has to happen for someone else, you know, that, there's middle schoolers, high schoolers that have the same exact problem. Uh, you know, you're, 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 you're not just, uh, solely your, your soul tile is not just swimmer. Uh, you can be a swimmer, but you're not the swimmer. For sure. Nice. Good quote. That was awesome. Yep. I loved it. Uh, you have anything else you want to tell the audience before we wrap it up? (laughs) No, I don't think so. All right. Well, that is episode 23, Jackson Almond.